You're listening to the Midwest Marketing Orange Hour Podcast with your host, Brett Matice. All right, we're recording, but we'll just cut it off whenever we need to get it done. Perfect. Just like a... Dun, 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 boom, boom, boom. Since we don't have a theme song yet. I was I figured, thinking about that. I figured we would in, in create our own. A little, a little I was thinking about that. Instrument. I'm like, what, what could a good theme song be? I'm like... I was trying to go for funny, but obviously it's kind of business oriented. So I didn't know if if it should be, you know, a little bit more serious, like a like a Absolutely Tom Brokaw not. kind of a thing. Like if you look at the business atmosphere, like what commercials sell and what commercials see the most of, it's like flow in that Geico yep. lizard. Yep. It's always funny. Yeah, and exactly. You have some meaningful ones, but I don't know if we're in a meaningful headspace. Yeah, as of I, right I now. don't think so. I, I always... Uh, I'm always an advocate for funny. Yes, because absolutely. That's pretty universal to everybody. Yes, you know, who doesn't like to laugh? And I agree. I mean, I've met some people that may disrupt your <laughs> argument there, but I don't know. Most it's people, pretty rare. Yeah, I would say most people enjoy a good laugh every now and exactly. Then. Um, but every anyway, everyone, welcome to the Midwest Marketing Orange Hour podcast. Although I don't like podcast; it's overused. So maybe like that. Yes talk radio but but better the orange cast the orange cast podcast isn't nope. that what we're calling the orange cast orange cast either or uh we'll figure it out by the time we get it posted yeah probably um, a good idea for those of you who don't know the voice that you're listening to right now is john sassy uh and my name is brett matice we both work for midwest marketing uh, yep john is a video director did i get that right is that you got is that right. your official title uh, I think that's what it is now. It used to be audio video director, but I prefer the just video just director. Video. Yeah. Is that pretty like it's just universal? Easier. Universal between all video guys in your per, uh, pretty much, yeah, or a video producer. Producer, yeah, yeah. yeah producer. Is that like a a more popular term than director? I don't know. That's a good question. Or do people like does the public get confused with? producer and director like thinking like you're more of movie type of deal uh, instead it could of be <clears throat> advertising to to me i'm like depending on on the market this market obviously it you could pretty much say anything most of the time i just say i do the video i'm the video guy the video guy yeah, yeah the video yep. guy that's really and i'm sure there's probably a hundred people out there that have used that you know for their moniker so that that works for me for sure for sure so when you started out video wise, you went to school at Full Sail. Yes. Full yes, Sail. Explain to the people what Full Sail is, because I had no idea until I started working here and started talking to you. Okay. Um, well, actually, when I, I first got into it in high school, um, before that, and my older brother was in this class called Radio and TV Production at Stevens High School back in the good old 90s. And... I remember him and his friends going into it, and uh, they he used to tell me how great of a class it was. It, it wasn't exactly a slacker class, but it wasn't you know your normal academic kind of thing. So, okay. so, so that's that was an appeal in, somewhere in between like wood shop, yes. and <clears throat> like physics. Yes, right I mean there. it was it was down there at the vocational end of the okay. hallway with all the other you know the shop classes and and all that stuff. So. Um, so when I got into, uh, so you had to be a junior to take like the year one and then a senior for, uh, the advanced course of that. So after hearing all these stories and seeing these guys, cause it was two hour class and you got to go out and do a lot of fun stuff and run around with cameras and who doesn't love to do that, especially back in the day, because not everybody had a, a camera in their, uh, pocket. You oh, know, with sure. the cell phones like you do nowadays. So, uh, so I thought it was kind of interesting and, and a fairly easy grade as long as you don't screw up, which is, you know, if you pay attention and then, you know, uh, do what you're supposed to, it's kind of hard to do. It's not like English class or something like that. So that is where I kind of really got my uh, start in being interested in it. And through there, um, I learned about Full Sail. And so a couple of my friends had also talked about going down there too because our teacher was telling us about it. And I remember him telling us 
eight hundred bucks a day for like a cameraman or something like that. I I don't know why I remember this figure, but it yep. came out like eight hundred dollars a day. Holy crap, that's a lot of money. That's like what you would be be making a day. Yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Like you can obviously this is like on major like film sets. You know, Hollywood, double uh, A. You know, big budget films yeah, like sure. doing the that guy, kind of the thing. guys that are filming tom hanks exactly yeah. yeah they they probably make 800 bucks a day but uh some lowly scrub like myself was definitely <laughs> not going to get anywhere close to that um and that's you know that's probably when you've been in the industry for a while and it, and you know that was back in 93 94 something like that so even then i'm like i wouldn't mind having 800 bucks a day right now that'd be pretty sweet um so me enough some friends went down to florida uh, after we graduated and went to Full Sail, which was originally an audio recording, an audio engineering school is what it was established okay. as. What town? What town in Florida in, is Full Sail? It's in, well, technically it's in Winter Park. Okay. Um, Can you give for the directionally impaired some like guidance to where that is? It's basically in Orlando, right, Florida. For sure. um, it's, it's a suburb of Orlando, but it's basically in the middle of Orlando almost. It's kind of on the north uh, northeast end of Orlando, but, I mean, you, you go like a quarter mile or something, and you're technically in Orlando. So it's it's basically the same city. So, uh, so yeah, we went there, and we kind of, a bunch of us kind of all went at different times. I went actually way after. I lived there for a while, for about a year and a half, before I actually went to school. Um, and by that time, all my other friends had already gone in and left. And so I just went by myself, sadly, because I didn't, I didn't have all my financials and stuff going, uh, when I actually got down there. So, uh, it's, it started out as a audio engineering school and then diversified and, uh, they brought in TV and video production, uh, in the eighties, in the late eighties, I think. And then right before I started, they expanded into a digital media, which is like nowadays that's, I think, their main thing now. Yeah. If you're like somebody who's anybody, digital media is like what you're going into, marketing, digital yep. media. That is yep. that is the hot stuff right now. <clears throat> yeah. They have like uh, whole programs just for like video game design and stuff like that and doing 3D art and all kinds of crazy stuff. So. Yeah, uh, went down there and it was a it was a tech school, just a straight tech school basically back then, which was another huge bonus for me. I didn't want to go to normal school so and have to do all that uh, math and English and baloney again. So, Absolutely. Like I did that in high school, don't want to do it anymore. So uh, so that was a definitely a, a good thing I thought. And so it was only a 13 month course, but they, they really chucked it in at you. I mean, it, the school ran 24 hours a day. So, I mean, you would have class at one o'clock in the afternoon, then maybe a few hours break. Then you'd have lab at nine o'clock and one o'clock or something. I'm like, you'd have, you could have class at basically any time, um, or lab, like you'd have labs at night and stuff. And usually just the classes were during the day. So. Uh, but you, you, the, the school ran 24 seven. So it was, it was definitely hopping and, and you were going at, uh, full tilt the entire time. There was no like breaks at all in there. So you, you, they, they definitely stuffed a lot of information down, down you to try to get you through there at, at a, at a fast pace. So, yeah. So you come out of full sale and it's just like, bang you're a video director instantly, or is it like <laughs> pay your dues type of profession? It, usually it's kind of a pay your dues. For me, it was a bit different, I think. Well, I, I would imagine everybody's different, but uh, I, I'm i from Rapid, and so when I moved down there for like three years, I was I got tired of it, and I wanted to, I wanted to come back to more of a Midwest uh, type of environment. I hadn't intended on staying in Rapid City again because I didn't really want to live here. But uh, through uh, circumstances that happened, uh, that's what happened. And so I actually didn't uh, get back into the business for a while. I worked a couple different jobs until I uh, started at a TV station and kind of worked my way up as a 
just a cameraman, kind of a, a grip person, just working production, a PA assistant basically. Yeah. Um, on the newscasts and then on the live live. Uh, we used to go around to a bunch of different uh, locations and stuff and doing live shows, doing the news live at different locations. So Okay, yeah, like on the spot. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like we had a mobile set and stuff, and so the production crew, would we'd we'd have this uh, big old, like, U-Haul truck, and we'd get, we'd have two, like, big screen TVs, and we'd have our set and all the cameras and teleprompters and all the cords and cables and all that other, and the lights, and we'd have to, you know, we'd go set up somewhere like we're at this school for these two or three days. And then we're at the mall like uh, during Christmas and stuff. We were up at the mall for a couple of weeks. And so uh, we were all over the place and definitely uh, cut your teeth in that. And it was funny because most of the most of the people that were working it, you wouldn't think uh, that they were basically just kids. It was a bunch of high schoolers mostly and and or college kids that did it uh, with no real experience in the industry at all. And so, like, I remember teaching them how to wrap cords and stuff like, oh, okay, sure. this is how you're supposed to do it. I'm like, I was like one of the veterans, even though I was only like 23, I think, when I started 22 or 23, something like that. Yeah, uh, the cord wrapping thing is like a crash course when you go on on shoots with John. Yeah, because it is. You got to learn how to do it right. And I, I imagine like a cowboy and you would get along yes. really well because they know how to, <laughs> how to wrap a, a yep. lasso really nicely, just like just like a videographer's cord. Yep. Um, so at the TV station, uh, what is like what's your official title at the TV station while you're doing the just everything under the sun? Well, I was there for a decade, so I kind of shifted around to a couple a few different things. So I started out as just a production uh, I don't know, a production assistant, I guess you'd call it. Um, it's working in the production. So like the production of the newscast itself. So you got like a cameraman and audio person that runs the audio board and then you got tapes. So all of the B roll video that you see in the news and stuff, we used to have a dedicated person. So we have like four tape decks and you got to get them all loaded up and and so then the director calls for, you know, tape this this story. And then so you're sitting there as the tape person. You got to route it to, to the director's board and all that stuff. Um, and then they had a teleprompter operator, too. So I think, what, six or seven people to run a show back then. And so I did that for quite a while. And then I inadvertently got into being a web producer, which basically... I helped out in the mornings with the uh, updating, taking the stories that we'd ran on the news, digitizing the video, and then posting that to our website. So that's kind of how I got into the into the web stuff, which is funny because I didn't even have a computer up up until that point in 99. I'd never had a computer before. Like a, a home computer. Yeah, like a home desktop yeah. PC or whatever. So uh, I'm... And so then a few months later, when the uh, actual web producer left, I kind of just slotted into her her spot. And so I was updating all of the news stories for the day, um, basically taking the written part of the news uh, from the scripts from the evening news and then putting those, uh, posting those live and then taking like pictures and putting the thumbnails in and the headlines and stuff. And, and whenever I could, I'd put take video of them as well which is it was kind of kind of wonky because i'd have to run from an edit bay down the hall to my computer because it was recording to my computer but to i'd have to hit record and then run down to the hall run down the hall to the edit bay where the tape was actually playing because these are they're uh, beta tapes uh professional beta sp tapes and so uh you can't just you don't i mean it's a huge huge machine so you can't just have one sitting at your desk so i'd have to run down there push play and then record it stop it and then go run down the hallway again to stop it i'm like it was kind of thinking back on it it's kind of silly uh the way we did it more more labor intensive than it probably needed to be and i got a lot of good exercise from that so but uh i did that for uh, another year and a half or so uh, maybe a couple years and then i started uh editing which was my main the thing that I really wanted to do, um, 
uh, nonlinear editing. So basically, uh, yeah, like on the computer. Non-linear. Yeah. So so there's basically tape editing, uh, tape to tape, where you you take your source tape and then your destination tape and then you can cut onto that. That's how the news. That's how we used to do it. Uh, cut the tapes for the news and stuff back then. It's all digital now, um, but that's how they did did the all the news stories and stuff they called packages the the stories for the news um but for like commercials and stuff we would uh we used avid software well software slash hardware back then it's all software based nowadays but uh uh that's what i really wanted to get into and that's non-linear editing that means that you're you're it's non-destructive editing. So when you're going tape to tape, you're recording over whatever was on that tape before. So if you mess up, it's just gone. It's gone. It's you, gone. There's no getting it back. But obviously when you're doing it on a computer, which nowadays it's, I think that's pretty intuitive to, for anybody that's, you know, under 35, probably that's kind of grown up with computers and stuff. But back then that was, it was a big thing. And I mean, back then, I'm not even saying that it was that yes, long yeah, ago. Yes, yeah, reference back this then. This was like, 2002. Yeah, so what was that, 16 2001, years ago? 2001, something yeah. like that, yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, this, the industry has changed a lot in that time, though. So it's it, it doesn't seem that long ago to me, but technology-wise, things have changed quite a bit. So uh, yeah, everything's digital, and you do it all on computers nowadays. So there's none of that uh, tape baloney. Even I mean, you, you record to digital, you know, a flash drive basically, and just put that in. I'm like, there's no big old cassettes and stuff to 25 pound camera on your shoulder, uh, none of that stuff anymore. So you do the editing thing for a while, and then you transfer over to Midwest, correct? Or am I yep. missing a step? No, that was pretty much it. the The editor that I trained under, he left, and I was only supposed to be there for part time. Uh, as his like part-time replacement because I was kind of his uh, assistant editor for like a year and a half because we were doing stuff for Sioux Falls. We had uh, uh, an outlet in Sioux Falls that we worked with. And so I was doing a lot, all of the production from Sioux Falls, which wasn't a ton, um, but that, that kept it off of our main editor's plate so he can focus on uh, the bigger stuff. And so when he left, uh, they basically like, well, here, we'll, you can just do this for now and then until we can hire somebody and until we hired somebody was never. (laughs) So they're like, here, you just do it basically, which was kind of, uh, just the way things ran. Uh, so I was funny thing. I was so nervous to like to actually take it on because I'm like, I, especially back then I was definitely not a very, uh, people person like, the interacting with clients and stuff that terrified me. Oh, like yeah. there, there's no way I can do this. I'm like, I'm, I'm a behind the scenes kind of a guy. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to get out there and, and try to smooth talk and people and, and things like that. I think that's probably why I'm more comfortable being, uh, in the post post-production part of it instead of at shoots. Um, just because that's, that's more of my nature, but, so yeah, after he left, I took that over in 2003 and then stayed there for another seven years doing that, doing a commercial production and, uh, until I came to Midwest in March of 2010. Yeah. So just to make it real brief and simple, like yes. elevator pitch, your job description as video director of Midwest marketing. Uh, let's see. I shoot and edit all of our commercials and promotional videos and videos for web, basically almost all besides the stuff that uh, gets shot, shot in quotes on, uh, on the tablet. Oh yes. Yeah. On the iPad. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so besides you, that stuff, you just kind of alluded to it a little bit saying <laughs> um, pre-production, post-production, the actual shooting itself. Yeah. And you said you feel more comfortable post-production style rather than actually at the shoot would you say that's like a common theme among people in your profession where they don't like the actual shoot itself as much i don't know i i think it i think that has a lot to do with just my personality um just being more reserved and not being super comfortable around strangers um it's not like i ever went to a doctor but i'm 
kind of a self-diagnosed, uh, uh, what is that called? Anxiety disorder, like oh, yeah. social anxiety yeah. disorder, that kind of thing. I've always kind of been a loner and kind of like just spending time by myself a lot. The word loner gets used in such a bad light. It does. And I think we need to just like have a meeting with dictionary.com or something to change the definition yep. and the way people see <clears throat> that word. Um, I agree. Because really it's just someone that, like like you said, you said you're a loner, but if you get to know you a little bit more, it's like you're very intuitive and you can have a very insightful conversation with somebody. I try. Which most people, when they think of loner, thinks of someone that can't talk to anybody yeah. at all. And there are, you know, obviously there are certain people that are like that, that, you know, they can't come out of their house that they have anxiety that bad. But it's, you know, once I get into feel comfortable with people, then that's a whole different thing. Like, like at work, I'm like, I want like collaboration. I want, you know, everybody talking to each other and, Hey, what on this project, what are your ideas on this? And, and that kind of a thing that I really enjoy. And I really want and yearn for that, uh, a lot of times, but just like, like strangers and stuff, that's a whole different, the small talk thing. Yeah. The small, small talk can be terrifying. Oh God. I hate and it. And it's a very dull too. It's like, yes. And always comes back to the weather. And yeah, like, yes, yeah, it always, always comes back to the weather. And it's like, I, I know what the weather's doing. Yep. I have a, I have an app on my phone that tells me <laughs> that I don't need small talk to be like, yeah, it's going to be going to be a rainy one on Saturday. I've, I heard that long, long time ago that I think it was uh, whoever heard it in, in the context, they were talking in the context of like a relationship, like you're, you're at, at dinner on a date or something. And they said that if, if the conversation turns to weather, you know you're done for. Oh, you have nothing it, else to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's the worst. That's the bottom of the barrel if you're talking about the weather. It, Unless, you know, like a tornado is about to rip through your... Yes, extreme, your, extreme yeah. weather. But yeah. It's like, hey, how about that blizzard tomorrow? You know, we should probably get some uh, canned Yeah, go, go stock up on, on yeah. TP and canned corn. But exactly. yeah, if I'm talking to someone and they go... Yeah, have you? How about this hot streaker? Trying yep. to stay warm out there? So yep. That's a that conversation is not going going Absolutely. to a good spot. No. But we're gonna have to pause our conversation momentarily and take a quick break and hear from our sponsors, even though we may not have any. But we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right. So, in the history of your jobs, in the beginning. <laughs> From your first job as a paperboy, yeah. um, which is just a very basic, simple job title, really describes yeah. kind of what you're involved with, exactly. to your current job as video director. Have you ever had a job that is the name, the title of the job is not indicative of what the job itself actually involves? Like a certain amount of time ago, somebody decided that it was a really good idea to make jobs sound as fancy as possible yeah. when there was just... I don't understand the logic behind it, but it happened a certain amount of years ago. So was there a job that you had that was like that? Or can you pinpoint a time when you were like, oh my goodness, I'm seeing really fancy job titles for the same jobs that have been around forever? Yeah. I too have noticed this phenomenon um, probably around 10 years ago or so in our business. Things started to change a little bit, uh, start to uh, fancy it up and become more uh, highfalutin and or uh, professional sounding. Um, it it always makes me kind of laugh when you see like people on YouTube and uh, talking about like these kind of things. And I'm like, you don't know what you're really talking about. And like, if like filming, like uh, this might be completely off topic, but people talk about, you know, I'm shooting a film or I'm, I'm filming with my camera. I'm like, well, you're not technically filming you're recording it because you're recording it to a media device. Filming would be actually using film and you don't use film on your iPhone. Okay, so yeah. shut yep. your mouth. <laughs> um, no, that's one thing that kind of, it always gets me when people say that all the time. And it, I mean, it's filming now is pretty ubiquitous with just recording video. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever had a job that my title didn't, pretty much reflect what I did. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever really had one. It's, it's been pretty spot on for the most part. I think I was, I think my previous job I, I just had on my business card editor, um, which is, I mean, 80% of my job, I was the editor. So 
I mean, I could probably just be called an editor, video editor or something like that. Yeah. Videographer, I suppose you can do that. But I think that that's more in shooting than in editing. But the, the one that drives me nuts now and you see it everywhere for uh, what would be like a front desk person or a secretary yeah. is a customer success representatives. Oh, yes. <clears throat> that is just straight hot garbage right there. <laughs> that it is, doesn't make a, a lot of sense at all. It just I have a lot of gripe with that. And my first job, my first job was I worked at a lumber yard mm-hmm. and my job was yard worker. Yard worker. I think everything should be that simple. You weren't an executive wood assistant. I was not. I was not. But <laughs> see, that would make that would make sense nowadays. Yeah. For first assistant wood wood transfer or something and like that, that. And that guy's job description of that fancy job title would be puts wood on truck. Puts wood on truck. Like yard worker will work yes. just fine. <laughs> I've always thought video guys, um, for a long time, the show Finding Bigfoot was yeah. crazy popular. I've and never heard of it. Really? Yeah. On Animal Planet. Very I watch it for comedic purposes. Um but it's yeah, probably four, it would be funny. These four people run around out in the woods looking for Bigfoot, your Sasquatch, your Yeti, yeah. um, whatever you want to call the yeah. giant mythical ape. And I've always thought that a professional video director would be very beneficial to the search of Bigfoot. Probably as would be. If you see all the Bigfoot footage, I can't remember what the, the popular one is, but you see the Bigfoot, he's walking across, yep. and he's swinging his arms. Yep. Uh-uh. Yeah, I've seen that. And it's just very blurry. Every video of Bigfoot <laughs> is extremely blurry and poor, poor camera work. It is is horrific. And I think if we got a really good professional video director or video something or another, yeah. we could capture some better footage of Bigfoot. I think a lot of that stuff, I mean, I guess I haven't seen a lot of it recently, any any new stuff, but all that that classic stuff, that was like all 8 millimeter from, you know, the 70s, 80s or something like that, you know, the home home film cameras. Um, and so and obviously they didn't have any stabilization or anything on it too. So it was jerky all over the place and stuff. There was a one of my favorite quotes uh, of anybody about this topic was uh, a comedian and I am really mad that I can't remember his name Mitch um, Mitch something right now and he was he was a very had a very dry uh, delivery in in the way that he he set up his jokes and he did a joke about Bigfoot and he said I don't think um, uh, I'm gonna totally screw it up I'm gonna butcher it here but he's like he said I, I think Bigfoot is just blurry just the creature himself. Yeah, just the is, creature is blurry, blurry himself yes. because every photo you see or video you see, Bigfoot is blurry as hell. It's it's not the cameraman's fault. It's that the actual creature. Yeah, Bigfoot. it's the creature that it's the actual I blur. So that, that, there's a good chance that's the best theory anyone's <laughs> had about Bigfoot in a I long love that. time. Um, yeah, Mitch Hedberg. That's who it is. Mitch Hedberg. He's awesome. So as far as like. Like you said, you haven't seen Bigfoot footage of like nowadays when we have yeah. fancy cell phones. Exactly. With, well, with that's the problem. Cameras. You don't yeah. see that or Loch Ness monster. You yeah. see these grainy, uh, you know, 120 pixel, you know, P resolution type crap yeah. that I'm like, well, is that a rock or is that like, what is that? I'm like, you, there's obviously nothing there. 99.99% repeating, of course. I tell you what, I want a one of those shot on iPhone commercials of Bigfoot. Yeah. Now that would make sense. Because those things are clear. Those are yeah. clear. It almost makes me skeptical that they're not shot on iPhone. But I'm, I'm guessing Steve Jobs is probably, <laughs> is probably a truthful enough guy to where that's, that's true. Um, but what do you say? What do you say to the guy that goes, I don't need video director. I don't mm-hmm. need professional video equipment because I have my iPhone 8X Plus, Yep. what do you say to that guy? Well, it depends on what you're outputting it to. Um, I w- it'd be my first, my first uh, question or response to that. It is amazing what kind of quality that you can get out of a phone nowadays video-wise um, compared to years ago. I mean, it is, it is becoming closer to a prosumer type of explain explain prosumer um so basically there's consumer grade just junk like normal everyday joe that doesn't know 
anything about video. It's just like a point and shoot. The guy in, in Yellowstone who takes the video of the moose that's yes. walking by and yes. he's like, look at this. And it's, yeah, yes. that's cons- that would be like consumer. That footage. is just your consumer footage. I'm like, your most, pretty much most cameras and stuff, you know, they're, it, there's a big difference between uh, a professional grade quality because it has uh, a CCD, the, the chips that actually, uh, the light when the light comes into the lens, it separates the the light into rainbow RGB colors, and I mean there's a huge difference between uh, something like that and your camera phone that is pr- pretty much as basic as you possibly can get it into into a device that does all these other things. So it's not a camera, and it won't be a prime camera. Uh, a pro level camera for many many years because you just cannot pack that much stuff into what's a phone nowadays although they're getting better and there are actually lenses lens attachments that i've seen that uh pretty recently that you can get some pretty amazing results out of so you okay so when i'm thinking lens attachment i'm thinking of that guy at his sun soccer game with the giant camera with a huge yes is it like that coming off your phone or or what does the lens attachment (laughs) look like it basically looks like um like let's see uh like you know what gushers are oh yeah for sure yeah it kind of looks like it's about that big it's it's you know this little uh square thing about a half an inch thick and you just slip it onto the end of your phone where wherever the uh, the camera uh, lens your lens is on your phone, and it just goes over top of it basically. And you can do like a wide angle lens and a couple other ones. Uh, one that gives it like you got I can't remember the name of it, but it it shows like all the lens flares and stuff. It flares out all the all the lights. So I'm like I, I've seen some stuff like that, which is pretty pretty incredible that you can get out of there, but it's still nowhere near to, you know, from, from stepping up from that to like a DSLR camera, which a lot of, to me, that's still kind of prosumer, uh, grade. I mean, it, it kind of blurs the line, uh, depending on your camera. I mean, the higher end cameras are getting to be more professional and, and depending on your, uh, what you're actually outputting to, I mean, obviously movies, uh, you know, big budget movies are not using that kind of stuff. They're using, you know, $100,000 red cameras and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, but those are, I mean, those are what a lot of like video places like our, in our market would be using or, or, a or a professional video camera as well, but probably more in the, you know, five to $10,000 range of cameras, um, which have come down because when I, was working at the TV station, the cameras that we used there that were tapes, you know, they were beta cams, um, the big, huge shoulder mount one, those were like $25,000. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, it, and what you can get out of a DSLR nowadays, you can get better uh, better quality than you could out of those, but that was, you know, 15, 20 years of progress and technology, so... It's it's getting there, but it's still gonna it's still gonna be a while. I think it's gonna be at least another twenty years, probably before a phone is anywhere near uh, what you can get out of uh, like a DSLR. Because those kind of cameras, they're they're not staying stationary as well. They're they're getting they're improving on their technology as well. So, and you know, just having the physical form factor of a larger camera and the lens is and especially is what really affects your image a lot and having a large full body lens compared to you know nothing basically in a in a phone it's night and day but depending on who's watching it some grandmas that's just watching on youtube you know this is a great looking video (laughs) i'm like that was shot with a literal potato grandma (laughs) that was like a very Spot on grandma impression. Um, I hope my grandma doesn't listen to it and hears that. Um, <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a role any, player, so I do a lot of different voices. Yes. You don't sound anything like that, grandma, I promise. Uh, <laughs> love you very much. Um, we're going to switch gears a little bit here from video stuff to just more general general things. But to switch gears, we need a great segue. So I'm going to have John set me up for what could be considered the best segue of 
2019 or 2018, whenever this gets posted. So, I'm, John, I'm going to need you to say, uh, speaking of phones. Speaking of phones. Yeah, speaking of phones, one thing you can find on your phone is the Midwest Marketing website where you can go on a mobily optimized website, go on to the About Us section, click on John Sassy's picture, scroll down, read a little bit more about him. And we got some fun facts and fun questions that we ask on that page about all of us. But on John's page, they ask him, what is his favorite charity? And he responds, with the the sends is that my, is that yes. right or they say all the letters sends research foundation yeah. so sends is s e n s which can you tell me off the top of your head what that stands for i can as soon as my google machine as soon here as google uh, machine. but essentially i'll give you the brief rundown and i'll let john uh, explain it in, in greater depth of of what sends does and why it is his favorite charity um, but from pretty much what i found when i was googling around on their website uh, was SENS is pretty much a charity that tries to combat uh, general aging diseases and tries to take aging out of the equation, um, all those yes. age-related diseases. So as far as that stuff goes, that's about the length of my knowledge on it. <laughs> but I will let John kind of give you guys a better overview than that. SENS stands for Strategies for Engineered Negligible Senescence. I'm glad they went with sense. Yes, I, I wouldn't be able to remember that at all. I always remember the senescence because that's such a cool word. And I don't think I've ever heard of that before I, I found uh, this guy, uh, this charity. So there's this uh, this guy, Aubrey de Grey. He, he kind of looks like Gandalf. Oh, he's big, got this, big beard. Oh, big yeah. He's long, long beard, long hair. And I, I love science. And I was, you know, going around YouTube one day and, and watching some videos. And there was... Uh, there was this basically this heavy metal looking dude that was on this. Video. I'm like, okay, I got to click on this and see what this is about. And the reason he had to click on the heavy metal guy was John is a huge fan of heavy metal music. Yes. Um, but we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later, but I'll let you keep going about the charity. <clears throat> so I watched, I, I watched this video with Aubrey de Grey and he's talking about, uh, and ending aging. So basically in the media, um, all of the, all of the attention that they get in their, uh, in their uh, like interviews and stuff is basically people talk about them being immortal and, and living forever. And that's not really what they do. They're trying to end the, uh, get rid of, but using, using, uh, you know, bio, I don't even know what you'd call it. Um, biology and science and all of, I don't, it's way over my head, but, uh, to try to get rid of, um, extend healthy lifespan basically um, living living healthily so if you can if you can get rid of all of these problems that aging causes then as a side effect of that you're going to most likely live a much longer life than humans do now which to me is very attractive because I would like to live for a long time I don't want to die anytime soon and especially, uh, being healthy, you know, it's not, people think, well, I don't want to live, you know, 200 years, 300 years, whatever, you know, cause they, cause they just think that, you know, you're going to be in this decrepit yes, old state. They, the they're whole envisioning time. 85 year old people now yeah. when, and then when keep that this, going yes, for another yeah, 150, which is a rough years. picture if we're, yeah. if we're being honest, who but. would want that? I mean, that wouldn't make any sense. I mean, nobody would want that anyways. So yeah. So being healthy, uh, you know, and, and basically restoring your body back to an age where, you know, you're not affected by all these, all these things, Alzheimer's and your cells breaking down and, uh, you know, the diseases that go along with aging. And to me, that is hugely attractive. I've, I've been interested in that kind of thing for a long time and, and seeing that, there's actual scientists and work being done on this on a serious scale. Um, I, I immediately jumped on board with that and started watching as much as I could. And when I found out that uh, I could start donating to this through an Amazon affiliate, they have an Amazon affiliate. So I'm like, yes, that's my, that's my thing of choice. And I've been telling people about this for, for years because I've been, I think, into it for about seven or eight years, and they've actually done quite a lot of, uh, quite a lot of progress in that time. So, 
the the thing I like most about it, um, well, first I got to go back and touch on, you said it yourself, people think of like immortality is yeah. what they're after. And I, yeah. when you told me about this the first time, that was the first question I asked you was like, <clears throat> so they literally want people, I was like, that's going to be a food problem. Yeah. We just got people around yeah. for, for eternity. Yeah. Um, but no, it's not that. It's it's eliminating age-related diseases. Yeah. And the other thing I like about it so much is it's just so unique and not a lot of people have heard about it. I mean, they're getting, like you said, getting bigger and more popular. But you can go out to any uh, Bob, Tom, or Jane, and they're like, yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a member of Pheasants Forever. Yeah. Like, everyone is, um, <laughs> yeah. especially where we're from here in South Dakota, which I'm a member of myself of Pheasants Forever. <laughs> um, but not a lot of people are, are donating to SENS. Yeah. And I think it's just a really interesting that it is so unique. Um, so I was kicking around on their website. Yeah. And... They got all these celebrity uh, people that support them yeah. and stuff. and Which is good. Absolutely. More exposure, the better. They got a long list of them. And they have each of them, and they ask each one of the celebrities, uh, what does aging mean to you? And one that I thought was super interesting was by Edward James Olmos. Yeah. Which, what was what was Edward James almost in? Uh, he was in the sci-fi show, I think, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Uh, was he in Miami yeah. Vice, too? Um, no, that was somebody no? else. But he was in... Um, I'm pretty sure he was, was really Miami famous. Vice. He was really famous in a in a show. No, maybe he was. Was he the we'll, captain we'll, or something? We'll in Miami fact check Vice? that, and we'll put where Edward James almost yeah. acted in the show notes, and you guys can can peek up on that. Um, but his quote was to the effect of, "Aging means growing wiser with every passing day." And then he had a, a little bit more on. I like that. But that was like the general theme of the quote. Yeah. But something that I kick around it almost everyone I talk to because I just it's something I do a lot of thinking about mm-hmm. is are old people or elderly people truly wiser or do we perceive them to be wiser because they are old I think it might be a little bit of both although I think myself being I think there's definitely some bias in it I can see that now um, you know when I was younger I definitely didn't think that but as you grow in life experience, I think that's that's really what wisdom is. It's just life experience um, for the most part, you know, because they you, you can have you can have really intelligent people that are not wise at all because you know they're and a lot of times it that's the case that I've I've seen because they're so like hyper focused on this one thing this you know one area they are you know a master of, but that that means that when they you put so much focus and time into that thing you kind of brush the other stuff uh, aside and so you don't you're not as well rounded um wisdom wise i think uh in life as you would be if you know you're just you know pay attention to everything if you're just some average joe that's living life you know it and i think that I have definitely grown more wise, you know, in 20, 25 years since I was a teenager. So I think I think you do get more wise as you get old. But I think there is definitely a uh, a social aspect to it that, uh, you know, because we are always taught as we're as we're kids, you know, to respect your elders and all that stuff. And but that that hasn't always jived with me 100 percent. I mean, on a on a basic level, yes. But I've always uh, ascribed to the the theory of, you know, respect is earned, you know, not just blatantly given. You give a, a base uh, humanity level of respect to people. But to really, you know, give somebody, you know, true respect is is earned, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. Um, how I always explain it, since I'm the one always asking the question, I've gotten to formulate mm-hmm. my answer over, over many months. That's good. Um, but I, And you kind of said a little bit of, of how I look at it, and it's uh, we are wise, I believe, from our experiences mm-hmm. and things we go through. So I think I could be a lot wiser at 21 years old than someone who's 85 in the aspect of marketing yeah. or the aspect of I like to go outside and do a lot of hunting and fishing and yep. someone who's never done that but is 85, I'm going to be wiser than them. Oh, yeah, definitely. But there are many, many, many things that I'm not wiser in, but someone has, who's been doing it for their entire lifetime yeah. and is now 90 years old is going to know a lot about. Yeah. So I think it's just a accumulation of our experiences has, yep. is what leads us to be wise. 
but just to like see an old guy in a coffee shop and be like, man, I bet he just knows everything. Yeah. Like, yeah, I bet he doesn't. He's no. just like you and me. He just not. lived a little bit longer. Yeah. I would, I would agree. Yeah. Although, although it kind of, it, it comes back to, well, what's the definition of wisdom is that how too. do you, how do you split that from, uh, just general knowledge? I'm like, how, how much do those two cross over? Yes, that's true. I don't know. Knowledge and wisdom are, I'm sure have different definitions, but I think they get, get lumped into the, the same Yeah, the sometimes same conversation. Yeah, they, a lot of time this kind of flip-flopped yeah. and used interchangeably. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take another quick break, hear from our non-existent sponsors, and we'll be right back. Okay, so speaking of older or elderly people, there's this phenomenon of old people listening to only certain kinds of music. And we both have very different styles of music we like yes. to enjoy. Yes, we do. Um, I would say mine is more so towards what older generations <laughs> of people would, would enjoy. I would um, agree with that. You yeah. have a theory about why older people only listen to certain kinds of music. So lay it on us. I think, and, and this would uh, kind of, I mean, it, it would kind of tend towards almost anybody, but I think that the uh, experiences in your youth, like the stuff that you listen to, um, that you're exposed to when you're young, you know, mostly like your teenage years, your, your formative years, as they say, I think that stuff really sticks with you because you're, you know, when you, when you go from teenager to an adult, I'm like, you have all these changes and the stuff that you listen to then is somehow more impactful and that's kind of what sticks in people's psyche I think more than more than anything else so if, if you're listening to a certain type of music for example when you're 15 I think you're a lot more uh, there there's a larger chance that you're still going to be listening to that when you're 45 65 75 whatever because I, I've I've found that in a lot of different areas that's kind of if, if you're exposed to something in that age that it really sticks with you. So I'm, that's what I'm going with. I, okay. I have no, no basis for this besides, uh, life experience and wisdom, but, uh, and wisdom. Yes. <clears throat> I tell you one thing, my grandma on my mom's side, maybe it's just when I'm riding in the vehicle with her and she wants to, you know, have a conversation, but I've noticed that she doesn't listen to music at all really no music ever like those people are strange there are some people that don't like music and the thing is i don't know if it's that she doesn't like music but it's almost like a contentness like she's very content with life that she can just sit there and not listen to music it's kind of like i saw this person tweeted one time or something i'm probably gonna butcher this but it was like this guy i saw him he walked into starbucks Mm -hmm. ordered a coffee sat down and drank it like a psychopath like he didn't have his phone and she's like, this is like so weird that he just sat and drank his just coffee sat and drank. because we fill every minute yep. of all of the days with like a phone or music or something. So maybe it's that thing is these people who are older than we are, are just a little bit more content and can kind of just sit with their own thoughts. I can, I can definitely see that. And, uh, and a, a large part of me agrees with that mindset as well, because I'm, you know, I don't think of myself as that old but I didn't grow up with a lot of that that kind of stuff with the cell phones and and being connected to it all the time and I get uh, I get annoyed that people expect me like I texted you 10 minutes ago why didn't you like well because I'm not always gonna be I'm not always gonna have my phone on me a lot of times on the weekends I put my phone on my dresser and I don't even look at it for a whole day. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm like, why why do you want to have to be connected? I don't I don't want to have to be, you know, have to have to have that thing. It's a crutch as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I'm like it's it's a tool for communication when when you have to. But other than that, uh, it, there there's definitely some large downsides to it and I think that in the next decade uh you know 15 20 years we're going to see a lot of more like actual research done about the negative effects of all of this like way too much input and and the social life um the the social media life how it's affecting and impacting kids these days because i'm like i don't like that stuff very much at oh, all. I'm, I'm very old school about that kind they've, of thing yeah they've already started to come out with with studies and such saying it it leads to 
uh, more mental disorders um, yeah. and stuff like that with people dealing with depression and, and, and all sorts of just goofy stuff. And surprisingly, um, less uh, they're less able to uh, interact socially with people, even oh, though the, yes. it, it, the medium of social media is supposed to bring people together. You actually tend to uh, you lose the the face to face personal communication, which I mean, I'm not huge on anyways, but. Uh, I mean, that's a very important, vital part of life and kids that are just sitting there talking on their or texting on their phones and never even looking at a person. You know, you you lose that that connection and the body language says so much and and the way that you speak and your inflections and how you how you say certain words. I'm mean, like, there's whole different meanings and, and you lose all of that in text. And it's it's kind of sad and scary how how young uh, kids are growing up these days, and that's all that they know. And hopefully, hopefully, we learn uh, that that that's not the best way to probably uh, communicate with oh, one another. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's just just like everything in life is healthy balance of, yes. of the two because super super useful tool. Yeah, as far as that stuff goes. Absolutely. But heading back to to music a little bit. Um, yeah, a bit of sidetrack there. Yes, uh, that's all right. Down the rabbit hole we go. Yes. Um, going back to music. Uh, with the music that both me and you listen to, mm-hmm. um, John would describe his music as heavy metal uh, in general, uh, death metal specifically, and many many subgenres of that as well. So yeah, and I would describe my music that I listen to as traditional country music, the from the stuff from the seventies, eighties. Everyone that they're like, my grandma has a record of that, and we listen to it at Christmas every once in a while. That's my my type of music. So pretty much polar opposites. Exactly. I, I don't exact know if opposites. you can get any any further apart than that. Oh, absolutely. Um, but there's this thing with with the music that country music nowadays is not played on the radio. Mm-hmm. And while I don't frequent the metal heavy metal circles, I don't find a lot of radio stations playing that stuff either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's this they never really have different connection that takes place when you listen to music that isn't on the popular stream of Pandora or on a radio station. And I don't know exactly what that inhibits and why it is that way. But would you say that there is that connection that you just don't get when everyone's listening to the same song? I, I would, I would totally agree with that. And I would add to that. I just uncovered this recently. I, I watched this video about, um, there are two music producers. I think they're producers. Maybe they're writers. They've basically written like 80% of the pop songs. Oh, yeah. That have been on the radio or that have been around in the last like 20 years. It's amazing. Like these two different dudes. One's an American and one's a, I think he's from Sweden. Um, but basically like Britney Spears, uh I don't know all all these all these different like pop artists in the last twenty years. They've written like almost all of that, and that's one thing you can you can make catchy music, sure, but that's one thing that I don't like about like pop music a lot. There are some there's some pop music that I don't mind that I'll listen to, but I can't respect that. Or and that's one thing that I found out about country too. Uh, a lot of the country artists don't do this either. They don't write their own music. Oh, all the almost all the new guys do not write their own I, music. I don't understand that. Nuts. I'm like, what? I because I come from the world of metal. I'm like, you're in a band. You guys all, you know, you write your own music. Why would you want to? I mean, I guess there's some. I mean, there's obviously talent to the performance part of it and the ability, you know, yeah, the vocal ability or yeah, the instrumentation. But why would you not want to create your own music? Because that, to me, that's the essence of being a musician, is being able to, you know, use your creative juices and, and you know, take from, you know, your life experiences and, and your dark places and whatever, whatever, you know, influences you and making a piece of music out of that. Why would you not want to do that as a musician? I don't, it blows my mind. I, that's why I just can't respect artists that don't, uh, don't make their own music, don't write their own music. Yeah, there is, you can absolutely tell the difference between an artist, if you're listening to a CD, who is a singer-songwriter mm-hmm. or a performer yeah. um, in the country realm of things, just because that's what I'm very yeah. 
steeped in. Um, someone who's gained a ton of popularity is Chris Stapleton. I mean, even if you don't listen to country music, you're like, oh, that, I have that, no idea who that is. Oh, really? Big guy with a beard. Never heard of yeah, him. huge beard. Um, I like the beard part. But he he writes all his own songs and has been writing songs for other people for years. And it's like, oh, there's just something different mm-hmm. about that guy. See, that's to me, that's more admirable. I mean, that's oh, absolutely. I, in my mind, that's why you would become a musician and get into creating music, you know, being in the music scene anyways, because you want to, you know, create music. I don't, I don't know why you would want to otherwise. Absolutely. So me and Todd, Todd Getz, who's another uh, graphic designer in, in the office, uh, frequent motorcycle driver, I think since 1999, mm-hmm. he's ridden his motorcycle every month, even January, February. So I'm constantly grilling him about motorcycles. And Crazy. one thing you notice, and we get into sometimes is like, motorcycle stereo systems yes and how motorcycles are so loud that you have to really crank up your music so you can hear the you can definitely hear the guys that have the radio on there oh yes like from about five blocks away i'm like holy crap that's loud yes well it's like they're cruising you know going whatever 65 say and they head into town and hit a stoplight and they have to like slow down it's like man that guy's really jamming out yep so my question is can you tell who a motorcycle driver is by the music that they listen to, or is it really random? Well, here's the first problem. You're saying driver. You don't drive a motorcycle. You ride okay. yep, that's a motorcycle. My bad. That's my bad. So I'm motorcycle I'm riders. Rider. Um, you have a rider and a passenger. So there's no drivers. You can definitely tell. I, I frequent a lot of uh, uh, forums and stuff. And there's some crossover with uh, F1 um, racing. And when you get, you can tell somebody who's posting who is mainly like a car guy and he's talking about the drivers. I'm like, no, they're not drivers. They're riders, you know, or racers. You don't, you don't ever say drivers for, for motorcycles. So I issue a public apology. Thank you. Retract a redaction. I, I redact my statement and it is, can you tell if a motorcycle rider is a motorcycle rider himself because of the music they listen to. I don't, I don't think so. I, at least I've never seen a pattern, uh, emerge in my experience that would indicate that. I mean, I, I listen to quite a different, different, uh, style of music than even most of my friends do. Uh, uh, there's, there's part, a, a gray area what the, you know, that overlaps between, uh, my music and even my friend's music that ride, but there's a huge different amount of uh, musical style. So I don't know. That'd be interesting, uh, interesting question to pose to uh, the polls. Oh, for sure. I think that Sturgis, um, for those of you unfamiliar, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally that takes place in Sturgis, South Dakota every year. Um, the large, it is the largest. I think there's like that in Daytona yep. is really big, yep. um, but Sturgis is the is the biggest one. Um, we get close to a million people a year. Yeah, I don't know if crazy. we quite hit a million. We did at seventy at the seventy fifth anniversary, yeah. um, but they at uh, for their concerts and stuff try to pin it down what motorcycle drive or motorcycle riders, riders. listen to, and uh, it seems like they want to say it's eighties rock they and roll. Do, they Leonard do Skinner esque music. Yeah, they uh, for for rally goes. I'm like that, and that's different too. I'm like when you when you're talking about. Uh, Harley riders versus I'm like because motorcycles obviously yes there's many is a subsets. huge yeah huge gamut that that runs but Harley Harley riders and that's why I never go to uh, any of the concerts up there because I'm like it seems that they either get I mean that's not my type of music it might have been when I was like 12 or 13 you know I listened really? to Leonard uh, Skinner at well no years old? Bon Jovi okay bon Jovi. or uh, uh, who's that? Motley Crue, oh, that yeah. kind of yep. stuff, you know, uh, that rock, rock and roll kind of, kind of music, uh, I was into when I was younger before I found metal. Um, uh, but yeah, it seems like m- the vast majority of their concerts up there, uh, do run in that kind of a, uh, rock, hard rock kind of vein, kid rock. Oh yeah. Of course. Yes. He pulls kind of the of mascot people, yeah. of, uh, of the whole rally. Yeah, I think I, I saw somewhere that they called Leonard Skinner, they said the house band of Sturgis. Yeah. Um, just because they're there all the time. 
time. We did used to listen to a lot of Skinner at uh, a job of mine in maintenance and uh, cleaning the arena and stuff. So it was on the on the radio a lot. So oh, lots of give me three steps and, yeah. and likewise. Um, Play some Skinner, man. <laughs> but so John rides a sport bike a sport bike or not a crotch rocket. not a crotch rocket no. sport bike so like we were t- saying many different subsets of motorcycles yes. so he's not a harley or an indian indian no, rider not not a uh, cruiser not although a cruiser. there are cool cruisers for sure um they're just not quite as fun in my opinion so how we're going to do this next segment is i'm going to just take about a minute and really rip into motorcycles nice. and i'm going to let john defend himself and <laughs> And tell me like the most appealing factors of driving a motorcycle. Riding a motorcycle. Riding yes. a motorcycle. So motorcycles to me seem like I don't know, it's just it seems like it'd be loud. It seems like it's cold. I mean, even when it's warm, it's cold. It's I'm just really almost lost. Is that it? Words. Is that all you got? I'm really, <laughs> Come on. I'm really almost lost. You gotta lost have more words. than that. It's when you compare it to a car, so I always compare it to a car as if I'm driving around with my windows down mm-hmm. and I'm going about 40 miles an hour in town, it's very enjoyable. But as soon as I get above 45 to 50 miles an hour, things are loud and not yes. comfortable. And I feel like my yep. left ear is about to just go. And I think with a motorcycle, it almost seems like it'd be like that the entire time. Kind of, but I don't think uh, when you're riding, you don't notice it as much. And like I ride with earplugs and a full face helmet on. So it cuts that cuts that down. Um, same reason why I wear earplugs at concerts and stuff too. I'm like you can you can actually get hearing damage from the wind, just constant wind, which is probably why Todd can't hear very well because <laughs> he uh, he didn't wear, he hasn't worn earplugs in for a long time. Um, but you you actually don't really notice it as much because you're at least you shouldn't because you're so you should be much more focused on you know what you're doing in your surroundings and you know the the potential threats around you um it it makes you a better even driver oh i could see of that. a car yeah. because you're you have to be hyper aware when you're on a motorcycle um if you're not you're going to get you're going to get in trouble real quick uh it can definitely that'll happen uh it is louder it is definitely colder and or hotter depending on the weather. I mean, I always wear my gear, so uh, that does help out. And the cold days, although some days it's it doesn't matter how much gear that you wear, you're going to be freezing. But on those days, I just drive my vehicle instead of my motorcycle. So, um, and I don't usually ride when it's over 90 degrees anymore because then the tank just burns your thighs and just gets way too hot and not very oh yeah i remember cruising around on grandpa's four-wheeler and you'd accidentally touch you'd be like wearing shorts or something and you'd accidentally touch the where you're not supposed to be touching Mm -hmm. with your inside of your calf and it's like you'd run to grandma for for some ice or some frozen frozen corn or something like that just to cool it down so but for like the number one Thing that you would tell someone if like they're on the fence about getting a motorcycle what yes. would you be like you got to do it because of freedom man freedom that's a great freedom answer. so have you ever had any close calls as far as accident wise that you'd care to talk about if you don't care to talk about them that's okay too oh i've had i've had quite a few close calls i've had clo- i don't even i don't even know what you would call a, a close call that's past close call because it happened uh, a couple accidents, uh, mainly my fault for being stupid and uh, riding in a not responsible manner. Uh, but I've, I've had quite a few where you, you have to be very careful, mindful, especially of being in people's blind spots. And, and I, I constantly watch the driver. I'd watch their head and, you know, try to try to get sure they're aware eye of contact with at. them. Yeah, because I've had people just come right over into my lane. Um, and if I wasn't paying attention, if I was hyper aware of what was going on around me, they would have just slammed right into me and knocked me off the road. Um, so I've had those. I've got I have gotten ran off the road, even though that was my fault, because I was probably I was going too fast. And it was my friend's sport bike. And this is before I had mine. And I had been riding for about three or four years, and I was too cocky. I got cocky, 
and that'll do it to you. <laughs> and so I uh, I went flying off of uh, flying off the bike at 50 miles an hour, head first into a gravel parking lot. Luckily, I had my helmet on, which saved yes. my brains. Helmet saves lives. Yes. If you see someone cruising around with just a bandana on their head, he's like, you got to stop that guy That's and bad. be like, hey, man. Always you wear gotta, you your protection is what I say. Always wear your protection. For sure. <laughs> so this Never is, leave home without it. This is a question I've been just dying to ask. Yes. Have you ever had any run-ins with like the law or, more importantly, a biker gang? If, that, if those even exist in South Dakota or come to They South do Dakota. during the rally. Uh, they, they are definitely around here during the rally. And I had one... Somewhat close call with that. Oh, um, very juicy. So I got one one law one, which I I don't want to divulge too much because I don't want to get uh, you don't know if the I don't want the fuzz coming down up. on me. Uh, although I have some inside people there, so I think they I, I think I'm good. Uh, I me and some friends were riding out in the hills uh, by Hill City one day during the rally, and you ride staggered when you're with with uh, people, so. Uh, you ride in the tracks, and so one person here and another person a few feet ahead of you. So if you have to swerve, you know, you're not going to smash into each other side by side. You don't ride side by side because that's stupid. Um, so we're just, you know, you can't, during the rally, there's so many motorcycles and so much traffic around. You can't really ride hard uh, anywhere because there's just so much congestion. And so we were just cruising by him over by uh, Hill City by Prairie Berry Winery. And all of a sudden, this dude comes zipping through me and my friends, like zigzagging through us. I oh, was zig- like... Zigzagging through the stagger. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm all like, right. you do not do that. Uh, and I was about... I've about lost my shit. I was getting very ticked off. And I was like, you mother... And then I saw in the back of his, his jacket, uh, Bandito's... Uh, Okay, so for those people that don't know, Bandidos is the they're biker apparently gang from a pretty what, big what biker gang. I don't area know. the like country so, or are they are they nationwide? I, I would think they're nationwide. I'm like they're up there with the Hell's Angels. Okay, so uh, in effect, somebody that you're not gonna want to you know go yeah. messing around with. And it wasn't just one; it was a couple guys that came zipping through us. So I'm like, are you all right? You go. Like I'm still gonna be pissed off about this, but uh, yeah, you had to make a smart judgment call. Yeah, like normally I would have wanted to ride up next to him and kick him over, uh, especially some dumbass that does that. I'm like, (laughs) you you don't do that. I mean, even even as a bandito, anybody that's on a bike, you should know better. Yeah, Uh, it's basically just an a hole move. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I suppose it's about five o'clock. You got to go pick up your kiddo. Um, I I guess we can go. Last minute thoughts. If you got any any last minute thing you wanna you wanna say, plug in anything you forgot to mention. Um, no, I think we're good. Besides, uh, wear your protection, kids. Wear your protection when yes. you when you're on your bike. Always. Um, I guess my last minute thought is for I don't know if we mentioned this at the top of the podcast, but this was this was the first ever recorded. Yes. I don't know if it'll be the first ever post, but it was, it's the probably first, not the first ever the, post. It's the first ever recorded podcast. Um, we can keep this one in, in the archive for a while. We'll and then, the you archives. know, once it gets, you know, very popular yep. and massive, we can throw this one out as like exactly. a little, uh, uh, a little special one. But yeah. It's, I think it's going to be a bunch of fun. I think people are going to learn a ton of stuff that, I mean, inside the minds of different business people and just, interesting fun facts about who knows different charities different absolutely ways to ride a motorcycle the goods the bads the in-betweens <laughs> but other than that thanks for listening and we'll be back soon thank you